for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Welcome, everybody, to another live and amplified livecast. I'm your host, Tom Quiet, and we are back at it again with another amazing podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Katie Nip. How's it going today, Katie? Amazing. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, doing pretty good. I'm ecstatic I got through that open without fumbling because I'm jumping. I jump between two different programs, and the intros are so completely different that if I don't tell myself beforehand, I might just jump into the other intro. It's always... You never know what you're going to get with me is basically where I'm going with that one. Um, so first off, I want to thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. I'm really excited to sit down and chat with you for a little bit and learn more about you, learn more about your music and all the su- success you've been having with the uh, most recent EP. And, you know, it's really exciting, especially during COVID when independent musicians are starting to get out there and really have success with their music. It's really awesome to see. So before we kind of jump into the new EP, uh, what's kind of your background story? What got you into music? Yeah, well, I've been singing since probably the fourth grade, played clarinet in the fourth grade, and then uh, loved music more and more, loved singing more and more, got a degree in music. Um, and for 20 years, I've been performing and recording and, um, I, I play guitar and piano and harmonica and vocals and write all the songs. And I either play solo or with a band, depending on the gig. Mm -hmm. And I just love it more and more (laughs) each year goes by. During the uh, phase of when you were really starting to take music seriously, who are some of the, who are you listening to that, to help you like mold who you are as a musician? Who are some of your influences? Oh gosh. So when it comes to voice, I would say, um, Aretha Franklin, Mahalia Jackson. Um, and then when it comes to guitar, I would say Sunhouse. Mm-hmm. is a big influence for me. And then when it comes to all encompassing artists, yeah. uh, Nina Simone is a big one. And then I love when it, when I'm just focusing on piano, I love uh, Dr. John, Alan Toussaint, Professor Longhair, all of those guys that keep that New Orleans sound. Yeah. You know, well, they're all dead, aren't yeah. they? <laughs> Um, John Baptiste is a living, breathing, <laughs> amazing, all-encompassing artist. So um, we'll go with him, the most modern one. <laughs> and who who is uh, introducing you to these artists, or how did you come across them when you were kind of starting to learn about them? I think other musicians told me about them because I'd hear them play something and I'd be like, "How did you learn that?" And then they'd say, "Oh, just listen to a bunch of these guys." And <laughs> So, yeah. Were your, uh, was your family a big influence on you musically? Were they? 
No. No? Okay. <laughs> My dad did play um, acoustic guitar, still plays acoustic guitar. Yeah. Um, and he, he started that in the Navy just as, you know, to keep himself occupied. But he was never like a serious gigging musician or anything, just more like a hobby. Yeah. Something to pass the time when yeah. he's when he's out on tour or what you know, uh, <laughs> tour doing a tour of duty or what have you. Gotcha. Completely understood. So you released just released a new EP, uh, The Well. What's the what's kind of the story behind it? Well, we were we recorded during COVID without any rehearsal. Oh, wow. So I had the songs written already. So what I did was I just recorded raw recordings on my phone mm -hmm. and texted the recordings to them and said, here's the key it's in. Yeah. Here's the lyrics. Here's the chart. Yeah. Here's the vibe. Um, and then I'd tell them what kind of sound I was aiming for. But each player is so good that I trusted whatever they would come up with would be great. And that was the case. Yeah. So we never rehearsed. We just showed up, Dustin Ryan pressed record. And one of the first run-throughs of one of the songs is the take we kept on the album. Nice. So literally me playing and hearing their parts for the first time while playing, that's on the album. And it's one of the best projects. It's the best project I've ever done so far. Which shows because I just uh, saw your post on Facebook that it hit number four on Billboard. Yes, <laughs> uh, I've, been up, I've been up since five o'clock this morning, and I'm still wearing the clothes I slept in. <laughs> so that's how wonderfully busy my day has been. I don't wow. think I've combed my hair either. Nice. Um, yeah, you've been up since so early. I'm surprised you're still even conscious. Like, I mean. Yeah, I'm surprised you're still conscious and able to move right now. Like just going, going, going. Um, so I'll probably crash at about eight thirty. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Completely understood. My uh, time. So to go back to the album, then we'll talk about Billboard a little bit more because yeah. I, I, there's a lot of questions that I have. Um, what kind of went into the song selection process for the album? were you specifically writing for the album or did, had you just like continually been writing and it's like, I oh, continually, hey. yeah, it's always a continuous thing. Yeah. I never have like this conceptual theme going mm -hmm. on um, and write to that. I just, mm -hmm. each song has its own little home and story behind mm -hmm. it. So yeah. if there happens to be any connection, that's great. In fact, my bassist, Zach Proto, who also co-produced with me, he said he noticed there were some water themes in each song. And I was like, yeah. oh. And so then he and his wife um, basically helped come up with the title being The Well. Mm -hmm. So it's a water thingy, but it also is, you can have the analogy of it's a, a well of emotion, you know, yeah. and a well of ideas and yeah stuff like that so absolutely i didn't catch up on the water theme but i caught the i figured it was more of the well of emotions yeah. aspect of things i didn't catch the water theme but well there's just a couple of like water parts in most of the songs but anyway <laughs> yeah, i gotcha so 
you're currently in Sacramento. Is that where you recorded the album or where do you usually? Yeah, go? we recorded it in Sacramento at Papa Roach's old place. Okay. Um, and I live just outside. I live about 20 minutes outside of Sacramento. Okay. I was supposed to go to Sacramento two years ago, but then you guys had the really bad fire. Oh, um, it kind of shut. Oh, you mean like every year now? We're just yeah, yeah, yeah. This was yeah. like uh twenty. This was like summer of twenty nineteen. I was supposed yeah. to go down there. It seems as if every summer we're on fire now. Yeah, yeah. So because yeah. I was supposed to go out there, they were doing a uh, big benefit for show the children's hospital. I don't remember exactly what it was for, but a band that we do a lot of work with was doing a benefit out there. And they're like, Hey, you should come out and do like stuff. And I'm like, okay. So I bought my plane ticket and then they're like, Oh, it's canceled. There's a fire. And I'm like, Oh, great. Thanks. Appreciate it. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, how, so you recorded it. You said it Papa Roach's old studio. Yeah. Okay. I, <laughs> It kind of lagged for a second, but I thought that's what you said. And, uh, you know, so I had to clarify, but no, that's really cool. Uh, how did you uh, get introduced to uh, get introduced to record there? Or is it just like a public? Well, my, my bassist and engineer, uh, Zach and Dustin, they both work there and do commercial okay. work and work on other projects. So, um, and it's now under like new ownership mm -hmm. and it's kind of a private place. Yeah. So. We're very lucky. It's a beautiful studio. It has a grand piano, big room. And that allowed us to be separated and mm -hmm. safe, you know, masked up and yeah. walls apart. So yeah. it worked out really well. You know, we couldn't have recorded in a tight enclosure, but yeah. this worked out. Yeah. You know, sometimes, sometimes you get into that, you get into a good spot at the right time and it just happens to work. And, you know, like right now during COVID when everybody kind of needs to be, socially distance it's probably not the best to be in a 10 by 10 room having everybody yeah. just like sitting on top of each other yeah which some studios are very much like that so yeah it is so um so you recorded it la or in 2020 i'm assuming the the well yeah uh, the the bulk of it was done just this past november okay mm -hmm. um and what what was the process kind of like did is it was it different than how you normally go in to record music being that it was the pandemic or well, yeah normally we'd rehearse once or twice <laughs> fair, <laughs> fair point fair point there was like no pre-production which we had a zoom conversation about technical stuff but there was no pre-production so <laughs> but i think I that made it extra special it made it um spontaneous in a good way you know um yeah. i think that we captured really great performances out of everybody it's a it's almost kind of like a nice little homage to blues musicians of the past where they do like one take all huddle yeah. around one mic and you've got one shot at it yeah that it's kind of almost a really nice homage to that just because it's you know it, it, there's definitely blues influence in your music so mm -hmm. so i don't know yeah it and it builds the authenticity did you guys um you guys recorded like in a live setup right or did you record each track individually 
we did the rhythm tracks live, you know, so we would keep most of it. And if we had to punch in somebody, we would do that. And then I overdubbed vocals and I okay. overdubbed, you know, an electric guitar player overdubbed his part. Horns came in on another day and did their part. So gotcha. it wasn't all like all of us at once. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Well, and yeah. with horn, like with horns and stuff like that, it's really hard to get it all done at once anyways. But, yeah. you know, because at any given moment, they could just kind of come in and overpower everything. <laughs> so, um, but so the well, it like we'd mentioned before, it just, it was announced today, right? That it was uh, number four on Billboard. That's yeah. And it was previously at ten. Was was I reading that correctly? No, that was my last album. Take oh. it with you. That hit Billboard charts at number ten okay. when it came out. Okay. So. Oh. Um, this one to be at number four was it was a surprise it you know i had to catch my breath for a second because when you see the names on the chart with me yeah all of them have an incredible amount of support major major labels you know really famous (laughs) and then there's me (laughs) and you know i'm kinda getting there but I mean, uh, I remember but, seeing like just lo- like looking at the screen cap that you have on your social media. There's two names that I've seen live at concert or at music festivals. I've seen the Marcus King Band play down in Florida. I've seen um, Ali uh, Venable play. You know, so it's like these really big names that are doing like <laughs> tours and stuff, like big nationally sponsored tours and so yeah it's really amazing that for and it debuted at number four it wasn't like it debuted at like number 75 and then worked its way up to number four right right but there and here's the thing about the blues albums chart there's only 15 spots okay that's it so to get on it at all is a big deal but um one of the strategies is if you sell a lot in the Mm pre-sale, all of those sales hit on release day. So it's really just simple math. And that's why you see a lot of these famous people running like a six month pre-order campaign, pre-order, 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 and we'll give you a t-shirt or whatever. Yeah. That's what it's all about. That's so that, um, you know, it, it hits the ground running, you know? Yeah, I gotcha. So is that something, or what did you do differently for the promotion of this album that you didn't do for the previous? Or was there really not much different? You know, I'm, I'm very thankful to say there wasn't much different, except my audience has increased overall by about 50% in the last two years. Oh, wow. So, um, I, I, I got on Pandora. I've, I've opened for a lot of famous people in the last two years. Um, and just, I've, I've just gathered more fans, you know, mm-hmm. and selling is still hard. Yeah. Even me, like the, it's just the psychology of it. 
Most people still and forever need to see something about seven times before they finally say, okay, I'll buy it. You yeah, know what yep. I mean? I work in marketing, so I, yeah, I understand that completely. So. so even my own friends who and like biggest fans that are like, oh, you're my favorite of all. And I'm like, then buy the CD. Yeah. <laughs> Elks. Please. My stoner friends, I'm like, hello. Yeah. <laughs> buy it please help me because <laughs> they'll be listening to my mix and they'll be like this is so great and i'm like okay well here's the link to buy yeah. bye please yeah. <laughs> so i don't know it it's exhausting you know because i knew that it was up to me and me alone to really sell it yeah yeah you know and th that's something that i still struggle like I'm in the same boat as you. I don't really like to sell people. Like if you want to buy it, buy it. If you don't, don't. But then if you don't, don't come back to me later saying, I never told you because I clearly did. Yeah. I have this, you know, that, that pops up all the time where it's like, Oh, I didn't know you're doing this. And I'm like, we have a long comment thread on this post. <laughs> what do you mean? I think I, yeah. I think I made two commercials. Well, I didn't, technically make yeah. them a uh, Ryan McClara made made them and then I hired a guy in Pakistan to make another one but yeah <laughs> but I realized though when it comes to selling mm -hmm. you can make all the fancy ads and commercials in the world and be flashy and have have a lot of followers but it still comes down to having conversations with everybody. Gosh, I, I must've been on messenger constantly for a month. Yeah. You know, corresponding anybody that, um, liked a post or something, I would message them and be like, Hey, by the way, yeah. I have this album coming out and I'd love it if you bought it. And I remember on my birthday in February, Everybody that wished me happy birthday, yeah. I was like, thank you so much, Bye Bye City. Actually, <laughs> and I it actually made somebody mad. I made two local musicians mad. They came at me and they were like, you know, that was kind of aggressive and I didn't appreciate it. And I was like, well, whatever. You don't have to buy it. Like, moving on, you know. <laughs> actually, I did that because uh, we also have a, a radio show that we do out in Roswell, New Mexico. I'm in Waco. I host a radio show out in New Mexico. And so I took the streaming link one day or what I put, I run a, like a Spotify playlist to help curate, uh, oh, cool. and get, uh, musicians like a little bit of exposure. Like the yeah. playlist isn't that deep yet, but you know, a hundred extra listens makes the That's makes great. difference. Yeah. Um, so I would, put out a post like, Hey, I'm looking to update the playlist, drop your latest links. And anybody that dropped a link, I'd message them and I'd be like, Hey, thanks for dropping your link. Here's something of mine. If you give me, give it a listen. And it's a, uh, the mixed cloud to my radio show. <laughs> and I felt really bad doing it, but it's just like, you got to take your shot sometimes, you know? Exactly. You know, and, and um, I've learned more than ever in regards to these last two albums mm -hmm. that, the asking ye receive, ye shall receive thing really does ring true because people, yeah, yeah there were two people that were mad, but yeah. there were about 400 people that blew my mind. Some people paid twice the amount 
Yeah. One one person paid ten times the amount just to support me, you know, um, yeah. which is great because all of a sudden I've been shipping to the UK a bunch. Yeah. And shipping one CD costs sixteen dollars. Wow. But I still want to give people what they want, so yeah. I'm still covering the the whole yeah. cost and basically yeah. coming out in the negative. <laughs> yeah. So all the Bandcamp is great that way because people can pay what they want. So all this extra yeah. money that people are so generous about, yeah. um, it's all going towards shipping. <laughs> I actually did something similar. There's a musician that I wanted to support out in the UK. She was trying to produce two music videos. And so she started a, pay a limited time Patreon deal. And I was like, look, I'll pay you the Patreon, but whatever you're sending me, don't worry about it because it's probably going to cost you more than what I'm paying Yeah. from the UK. And she's like, no, no, you paid me. I will get it to you. And I'm like, all right. I, I mean, I'm telling you don't, but if <laughs> like you have to go ahead, but you know, it, it's just one of those things where it's like, it's kind of moot to have you send over this big package and what I'm paying for the next three months isn't even going to cover it. So I've sent a lot of stuff over there, just knowing I'll lose money, but it's so worth getting it into the hands of people like you that appreciate art. Yeah. It's worth it to us. <laughs> So talking about the album a little bit, mm -hmm. you, you're selling, it's available in physical CDs and MP3s or M, uh, on like Spotify and all that stuff. Yeah, we're on all the platforms. And um, today, this morning, I got my second message from Amazon that I sold out again. Oh, wow. So in 10 days, I've sold out twice on mm -hmm. Amazon and it's so exciting. So um, my Bandcamp is still up and always will be up because from Bandcamp, I can ship from home and sign stuff. Mm -hmm. Whereas when people order from Amazon, it's just coming in a shiny package straight from their Yeah, from their warehouse or warehouse. Where, yeah. whatever. Have you given any thought to pressing vinyl? Is that something? Yes, that I have. But it's close to $2,000 just to press 100. Oh, wow. And I'm very careful with how my money is spent right now yeah. because I'm always the investor in all of yeah. these projects. Yep. And I'm not at a point right now where I want to spend that money on that. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> you know, it's, it's so weird because like, I mean, I've started my own vinyl collection. Like that's just kind of what I've gotten myself into, but depending on where you go, it's like vinyl, you can get vinyl, cheaper than 2000 for a hundred or it's more than that. So it's like vinyl is still really weird. And hopefully it's one always at least $1,600. Yeah. And I just, I mean, until I'm on a major label or something, you know, yeah. I saw St. Vincent, not only is she doing vinyl, but she's doing cassette and eight track. You can imagine how expensive it is to have all that made because i think it's actually more expensive it's to... more expensive it's more expensive to do cassette tapes than it is per now i'm not going to say it's more ex expensive than vinyl but it's more expensive than... it, it's pretty close because yeah. they don't they don't they're not making cassette tapes anymore so we're yeah. you're just kind of yeah all the cool kids are doing it so you know if i have a major label someday yeah. yes i'll make all the stuff yeah <laughs> Gotcha. I 
but you know, vinyl is making a comeback. And I think there is, yeah, the, is. You're, you're starting to see the boutiques out there, like yeah. that'll print vinyl, but obviously like you brought up, it's not cheap because you've got like setup prices and then you got, you know, everything else. So I completely understand. So the album or the EP, I just- It's okay. De- it's like a mini album. An EP is technically one to three songs. Yeah. An album can be five songs or more. So we'll call it a mini album. Okay. I, <laughs> it, it, that's just my bad habit is I automatically default into album, which isn't yeah. always 100% accurate. But, Me too. Uh, so the, the EP is out now. Uh, what, what's kind of the plans moving forward as- we go into the summer. Do you have shows lined up or like what's kind of the plan moving forward? Yeah, the band is finally going to be back on stage together July 11th and after that. So I'm looking forward to getting back on stages with them. Awesome. And I'm going to continue writing for the next project always. And Yeah. What it, What is kind of your writing process when you sit down to write? Um. I'm always gathering lyrics in my notes app in my phone. Mm -hmm. And then I'll be messing around either on piano or guitar. And if I like a certain motif Mm -hmm. thing I'm coming up with, I'll look at my lyrics and see if any of the ideas fit. Mm -hmm. And then I'll get a piece of paper and that lyric is my nucleus. And then I kind of spider out verses that yeah go that elaborate yeah. <laughs> so on the page it looks like a big spider <laughs> yeah. then after i've sort of jumbled it around i'll put it in order like a normal person <laughs> so ba- basically, and recorded in the voice memo in my phone so basically you're still very much in that standard fourth grade this is how you write a essay type thing Almost, yeah, I guess, yeah. Because I I vaguely remember that's how they taught me how to write essays and stuff in like fourth grade. You know what? That's so funny. I never thought of it that way. I just like the way it looks on the page. Yeah. Where you're branching out these ideas. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Uh, But no, that's really cool. Um, So you're already in the process of writing for the next album as you're always kind of writing. Um, And of course you've got shows kicking up July 11th, Mm -hmm. but on the off chance that you have time outside of music, what are you usually doing? What's a day in the life of Katie Nip without music? I have a four and a six year old. Mm. And so that keeps me 1000% busy. Okay. And I also, um, my, my other job is still music. I teach piano lessons okay. and I love doing that. I always want to be able to do that. Um, cause I think it's important to share what you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for fun, I love hiking and cooking and entertaining for our friends and, um, I bet the hiking in Sacramento is amazing. Or in the Sacramento area. In the area. So yeah. we're just close enough to Tahoe where it's pretty yeah. nice. And then we're just close enough to the Marin County area, yeah. San Francisco area. So we're a couple hours away from each place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. And then, of course, you're not far from San Francisco, right? San Francisco's a couple yeah, hours. Yeah, we're two hours away from yeah. San Francisco. Mm-hmm. 
that seems like great place because you're like close to everything but far enough that you could make it special and not go there every day to make ruin the mystery. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's really cool. Um, so one of the things that we like to do on Live and Amplified is we like to pass on knowledge to younger musicians. Um, so what is one piece of advice you would tell your younger self as a musician? To be 1000% authentically yourself. And if you find people compare you too much to other artists that you like, it might be that you're not listening to enough variety of music. So the more variety you can listen to, and then if, something, if you don't like something at first, ask yourself why other people do and try to find the good in all of the art that's out there. Because no matter who it is or what style or what instrument, mm -hmm. there's always something to learn from what's put out there. So I think in the beginning, I was listening to way too much Tori Amos and Ani DeFranco. And I was like, yeah, women, we're doing this on our own. We don't need anybody. Yeah. So I had this best friend that was like, yeah, you sounded like Ani DeFranco again. And I'd be like, cool, I love Ani DeFranco. But over time, I thought, mm, no, I want my own sound here. Yeah. <laughs> and so I feel like I didn't even figure out my own sound tell into my 30s. You know, it took a long time because I, I have a degree in opera. So I left college with all these technical skills under my belt, but then I had to learn who I was as a singer. Mm -hmm. I wasn't trying to emulate anybody anymore or, or do a, a homework assignment. Yeah. It was now my time to, to look in the mirror and say, well, who the hell are you? Yeah. And it took a long time, <laughs> longer, I think, than most. It's interesting that you bring that up because I've noticed doing this podcast for as long as I've had, I've interviewed all types of musicians. And I've noticed that some of the musicians that are more classically trained, like they, they did musical, like they just took classical singing lessons. They had an issue um applying emotion to their mm -hmm. music like they or their sound like they had a, a trouble applying yeah. emotion to their sound yeah. because it's like they know how to uh do things technically and like yeah. hit that note hit that note hit that note but if they miss that note or it cracks or whatever then it's like oh that's bad but no that's emotion like if yeah. you hit a high note you gotta lean into it in yeah. fact towards the end of gospel of good intentions uh on the let the belly of the sea come digest me mm -hmm. my voice just quivered at the end because i was starting to cry yeah but i kept the take you know because that was as real as it could possibly get yep absolutely absolutely so, yeah so but, you know, it, it was really interesting that, that you brought that part up. And I was like, 
that that just reaffirms everything that I've kind of been picking up over the last couple of years doing this podcast. So thank you for that. Yeah, I got to embrace the grit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> grit. That was the word I was looking for. I was like, can't think of the word that I'm trying to think of, but grit. That's what it was. But um, so if people want to check you out online or uh, what you got going on, uh, where's the uh, best place for them to do that? Gosh, really, everybody has their own favorite way of listening. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Pandora. I'm on iTunes. I'm on Bandcamp. I know I'm on Amazon, Apple Music. It really is up to you guys where, where you would like to, to get it. And on my website, katienip.com, it has links to every single one of those. Um, but yeah, it's really up to the listener. However you like it, it'll be there. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. And what's been your favorite form of social media to embrace during the pandemic, so to speak? I would say Facebook. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't know if it's because I have um, more engaging people commenting with me or what there, but it seems to be Facebook. Awesome. It, you know, it, it's very much interesting because I grew like, I mean, not grew up on Facebook by the time Facebook became a thing, I was already in college. So, but it was just, you know, it, it just feels more personable. Like you could interact with people where Instagram, it's just kind of like, you know, you're throwing pictures out there and it's not quite as personal. But. Yeah. It seems like more of a flashy billboard on Instagram and I use it for that purpose. Yep. But yeah, I keep forgetting YouTube has its own social area now. Oh yeah. And I, so Every once in a while, I remember to go back there and it's like Christmas. I'm seeing all these nice comments. Yeah. I keep getting, I keep getting every once in a while, I'll get an email from YouTube saying, Hey, why aren't you responding to your fans? Like I'll be, I'll respond in like the comment section of the videos. But if you go into like the social aspect of things, it's like, Oh, I tend to forget that this is back here. Like, like you'd brought up, you know? So, um, but the one thing I've really been into the last few, a uh, few weeks is uh clubhouse. Oh, I haven't been on there. Yeah, it's if you're really like the personal aspect of just like communicating with people voice to voice, it's a really cool app. Like they open up like discussion forums. So if you want to talk about music, politics, religion, like whatever you're into, they've got a group for it and you can just kind of jump in and have that discussion. So cool. It's really cool. But I want to thank you so much for jumping on. I didn't want to keep you too busy, too tied up for too long because thank I know you. it's time for me to cook dinner now. So yeah, I got you. <laughs> but um, once again, I want to thank you so much for jumping on. It's been an absolute blast. Congratulations on all your success. I can't wait to continue following you and see where you go moving forward. I'm really excited for you. Thanks uh, so much, Tom. Absolutely. And uh, thank you everybody for tuning in and we will catch you guys later. Cool. We are good. All right. So that's